This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Something that was surprising to me is that infatuation is a real thing. New relationship energy is a real thing. And it's kind of fleeting. I had a lot of relationships in which I really thought like, oh my God, I'm like falling in love with this person. I would be like so into the person. And then, you know, a few days later, the new relationship energy was gone or the infatuation was gone. Welcome back to Open Late Podcast, lovers and friends. This interview is going to be a really good one. I have another podcast host with me today, Fernanda, who is the host of Polly Curious. Um, she is currently a New Yorker, um, but she hails from Mexico, and we have a lot in common. So I just want to welcome you to the show, Fernanda. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and really looking forward to chatting today. Yeah, same. Um, so I want to jump right in and sort of ask you, growing up in, in Mexico and then just coming to the U.S., you know, for for like higher education, um, do you had any idea like what non-monogamy was before sort of landing in New York City? Uh, not really. Uh, well, to backtrack a little bit, I didn't come directly from Mexico. Um, I actually left Mexico when I was 16 and I went to India because I got a scholarship mm. to go to, um, it's called United World College, but basically they have colleges around the world. And I just happened to get the scholarship for India. I could have gone to Texas or Hong Kong or, you know, um, Italy, but they sent me to India. And then I uh, went for my undergrad to Amsterdam. And then after that, spent a little bit of time in Cuba because I'm half Cuban. And then I came to New York for my master's. So, you know, I think that traveling around or rather living around the world uh, made me very open-minded in general. And I think that also growing up in a Cuban family, even though I lived in Mexico, Cubans are a lot more liberal in my experience, less conservative. So um, I remember, even though my mom or my family were never talking about non-monogamy specifically, um, you know, my mom would let my boyfriends like sleep over when I was like, you know, 15 years old or, uh, or my friends or, um, you know, I, I had a very liberal upbringing in general. So I've always been like a curious, open-minded person, but it just didn't make sense to me that if you like really love someone, you would want to be with someone else because my experience of love up until that point, I mean, mind you, I also came to New York not to, um, when I was kind of young, like, um, what was it like 23 or 24 so I hadn't even had that much experience really you know dating or anything like that so my understanding of love was when you really love someone you just want to be with them um but then I arrived 
to New York and um, immediately got kind of uh, pulled into the Burning Man community because I literally met someone in the plane as I'm like arriving to New York who introduces me. He, he wasn't non-monogamous, but he just introduced me to to this whole world and community. And of course, the Burning Man community has a lot of, um, you know, it it... it it touches a lot with the non-monogamous community. So I made friends with people who were in non-monogamous relationships. And that's when I started becoming more open about it because I started having conversations with them about it and seeing how they did it. And that's when the idea kind of was introduced into my head, but it wasn't something that I never thought that would be for me or that I would be, you know, that I would have a podcast about. Yeah. So did you go to Burning Man after meeting this friend? So I did not go immediately, but I did mm-hmm. go like a couple of years later. And that's where I met my partner uh, four years ago. So uh, yeah, we met at Burning Man. We've been together for four years now. And um, yeah, it, it you know it just felt like it was meant to be. Oh, beautiful. Um, so we do have a lot in common because I go to Burning Man every year. Um, I know when we were the- setting up this interview, I was like, sorry, you know, things have been crazy about Burning Man. And like, I didn't know at that point. And then you're like, you also didn't respond immediately. And you're like, sorry, just came back from Burning Man. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. you too. Okay, cool. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be off the grid for like several weeks. So... Um, but it is interesting. I had, I had someone DM me, um, on my open late account, which actually currently while we're recording, this is restricted. Um, and I'm not sure why with like no explanation, it got restricted from Instagram, but someone DM'd me and was like, I heard Burning Man is more of like an art scene than it is like a sex scene. And I was like, yeah, who told you it was a sex scene? <laughs> but I guess like <laughs> the, uh, the evolution of what people perceive Burning Man to be is this like, you know, sexually liberated, you know, and, and also just like liberated space period, right? It's like, you know, radical self-expression is one of the, the 10 principles of Burning Man. Um, but the history of Burning Man is that it's a place to sort of share and be inspired by art and sort of the whole... Um, for me, at least my experience of it sort of sexually, it's become even more and more charged as the years go on. Um, but you know, that's definitely not a bad thing, I think, because many people are having experiences there, um, that they would otherwise not have the space to, or feel sort of the invitation to, um, and, and aside from sex, like there's so much, you know, love there, which I, think can exist in two very different spaces or come together. So it's cool that you met your partner there. I know so many people that met at Burning Man and are married now, um, like multiple relationships. And I was actually there um, in two instances where I watched friends meet. I was there for their meeting initially, and now they're married, which is like so wild. And I love when that happens. Yeah, Seth, my partner, 
has a couple of friends, so two couples who also met, and he was there when they met, and you know they're great friends of ours. But yeah, people's comments about Burning Man when I tell them, you know, I I met my partner there, they're like, oh, it either like, you know, it, I haven't heard that it normally doesn't work out because, you know, it's like any festival when you are in the, a different state of mind and whatever you connect with someone and then you go back to reality and things might be different. And I know that a lot of people also has that experience at Burning Man. They like, they have a burn love and then they go back and it's not like that. But there's also the other side. Like uh, I think in my case with said, like, honestly, I don't know if we would have met if it hadn't been at Burning Man because he was in a very like relaxed, um, way of being that's like not normally his like default so he was like more prone to like connect but like we were both in like a very open and like honest space and that allowed us to connect like very deeply very fast and to really like see each other for what we were you know which when you meet someone in the real world there's no you know, it takes you a little bit longer to actually peel back all the layers and get to the core of who they are. Um, so yeah, totally. it's a, it was a beautiful, beautiful experience. Yeah. I love how you put that because it really is a place where, um, especially the longer you're there, the more time I feel like you spend in the desert, you know, because there's people who could come in for like three days and four days, you know, we call them the weekend warriors. Like it takes a little bit to settle in, but I find that the longer you're there or the more you go back, it's like you just slowly take the masks off and the identities and everything you feel like you need to be or show up as in the, you know, the everyday world at Burning Man. None of that matters. It literally doesn't matter like who you are, what you do, how much, you know, resources you have. Um, it's really just about the connection there. The more connected you can be, um, it's almost like that's the that's the currency, right? Yeah, um, and I think, um, last comment about Burning Man, I think that also something that people don't really get, uh, going back to the, you know, how people see it as opposed to how it actually is, is that what's really important, the art, I agree with you that the art is an important part of it, but it's an important part because people are collaborating to bring that art and give it back to the community. So it's about community, but also like the fact that there's no money and no service. To me, that's that's what really makes Burning Man. The fact that, yeah. you know, I mean, in a way it does, you can see the money differences. I mean, especially this year because it was so hot. So then there the people who had AC and the people who didn't have AC and things like that. You you can definitely, it's, it's not like money doesn't exist, but it doesn't exist at the burn. So like you are not exchanging money. You can, you can have so many experiences and so many connections and um, yeah. And just let go of your phone and like have com real conversations with people. And to me, that's what really makes Burning Man. Burning Man different and, and special. Yeah. I love how you said last comment about Burning Man. Like, no, we could talk about it all day. <laughs> we don't have to well, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it all day, but, you know, if you want to move on, yeah. <laughs> we can as well. I was going to ask you, do you think you'll have a Burning Man wedding with Seth? Well, I did ask him and then he was like, I don't know, babe, because like Burning Man, it's already a lot of work. And like, I feel like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like organizing a wedding at Burning Man would be a lot of work as well. Um, and as much as I, 
you know, I I feel like I've gotten so much out of Burning Man and I'm definitely going back. Uh, I'm also having, you know, especially the environmental aspect of it, which is also something that, um, you know, I worry about and I feel like it would be even worse if I had to organize a wedding, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, but all the waste that is produced from Burning Man, it's... um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't want to add to that with a wedding, but maybe we could have like a chill, you know, a chill wedding um, ceremony. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I would have to convince Seth first. <laughs> I feel you. I went to three weddings this year, and they were all like campmates of mine. So it wasn't even like, you know, there these extensions of whatever. Where I was like, oh yeah, maybe I'll go to that wedding. These are all people that I've known for, you know, five seven years that I like care deeply for and that I know well and that I didn't want to miss these beautiful like days of theirs right but at one point it was like Thursday and I was already at my third wedding and I was like this is a lot um but yeah I Burning Man was tough this year um I'm gonna record a whole bonus episode about it um but this was the first time where I ever considered like not going back um and had the thoughts of like maybe this kind of chapter this experience for me has like run its course um how many but it's interesting have you been um this year was my seventh I think or it mm-hmm. might have actually been my eighth um mm-hmm. yeah but I and I love it but it is such an undertaking and it's evolved obviously like over the years as any yeah. you know large scale city does and it's like such a social experiment so you know, you can't be mad about things changing and growing and evolving um, because it's just the nature of it. But I was like, is this the experience that I still want to have? And um, I'm part of a really big camp and we have a really big offering to the burn, multiple actually every year. So it's just a, a ton of work that goes into it. And I was like, I'd rather have a really small, intimate experience. Um, so I'm thinking about all of that and what that means. But, you know, I have time to make these decisions. <laughs> Meanwhile, my husband wants to make an art car. So I'm like questioning whether or not I'm going. And he's like, oh, I'm going. And I'm building like a new massive, you know, piece, um, you know, of, of metal that we'll bring. And that's, I'm like, wow, oh, there's so much more work. Um, it is but a it lot is of work. But I would love that experience building an art car and then getting to like ride around with it and have that offering. I have some friends who just built one and it was just really sweet to go and see it and they were really happy with it. But yeah, it's tons of work um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, we'll circle back. We'll see if we're going next year (laughs) and we'll have to find each other. Yeah, Um, but it's definitely changed even from, I mean, I've only been three times. Uh, 2018, 19, and then 2022. And I definitely see it changing. And yeah, I don't know. I think that for me, I want to see if like next year I can do more to make it more sustainable. So at least I feel like I'm contributing in that way. But I mean, it's not just that. It's just, you know, it's Instagram. It's <laughs> becoming like more mainstream. It's um, it's a lot of, totally. lot of things. It's a heat. Yeah. The global warming is getting so much hotter. Yeah, I know. And I love the heat. But this year, I was like, can we move the I know. burn? <laughs> like, it's just like, because one of my favorite things to do is go out during the day. Like, I love I to see you. You can see so much more art, you know, during the day. And 
um, you really get to kind of take it all in and there's a lot to experience. Um, but we were really limited this year. I mean, you couldn't, you just couldn't stay out there for, for long or, I mean, so I know so many people that got heat stroke. Um, my husband did actually, but let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) This whole episode will be about Burning Man and then we'll have a part two. Um, but so I, I do want to, I want to know about how it was for you to sort of be introduced, right. To such a, a community, right? This polyamorous community that you are, the Burning Man community that you really um, got to meet a bunch of people through um, as someone who was like not coupled up at that point. So did you start dating and dating in like a non-monogamous fashion at that point? Yeah, so from those friends that I met, I kind of started to go to play parties and... um yeah, I would date and like, especially, well, so actually uh, the per- the person that I met when I just arrived, we started seeing each other and we were monogamous. And then at some point I was like, okay, I, I kind of felt like I needed to take a break. And then the moment that we did that and I was single for the first time in New York, because my background in the other schools that I've been, um, you know, in India and Amsterdam, it was like, for some reason, it was like 70% women and 30% men and like it was just I wasn't dating much or like exploring much before that so the moment that like floodgate opened I was like okay I just want to have fun and I wasn't I was kind of making it very clear to the people that I was seeing like this is not this is not serious I want to do my own thing uh, I still had people who's you know like who were heartbroken because something that I learned with time like even if you tell them um you know and you think everything's clear if you spend time with them and act in a certain way they still felt like they had some rights over me or they still just had feelings for me or whatever so also something that I've learned and I think that now that I have a partner it's a lot easier because there's a constant reminder that, you know, we won't become primaries because I already have a primary, but when I didn't have a primary, it was, it was more difficult. Um, so yeah, so I was doing that for like maybe a year or two, uh, until I met Seth and I was like, okay, I want him to be my primary. But before that it was, yeah, like, I guess like solo poly as they call it, um, exploration. Yeah. Um, that's such an interesting point that you make. Um, I have never had that experience because I, I only entered into, you know, the non-monogamy world after, you know, meeting my now husband and being in a monogamous relationship with him that we opened. Um, but even dating, I, I have that, you know, the similar type of energy where like I've dated guys before who are convinced that there's something wrong with my relationship and that's sort of why I'm dating or, um, which then I, I, I never end up dating them if I notice that that's sort of their idea of what's happening. Um, that's kind of a red flag for me and someone who's not like understanding of what polyamory really is or, or non-monogamy or, you know, consensual non-monogamy. Um, so I, I wouldn't go down the road with somebody like that. Um, but you, I've experienced a lot of sort of that. So I can only imagine that 
being, um, you know, solo and uncoupled at that time, you would meet a lot more, um, or maybe not a lot more, but you come up against the resistance of, you know, the sort of mononormativity where someone's like, oh yeah, cool. Like me too, Polly, or, you know, I totally understand and I'm comfortable with it, but at the same time trying to, or subconsciously even moving towards monogamy when you're like clearly communicating that's not what you want. Um, so it's interesting. Yeah, I, that definitely happens. And then it just, for me, the lesson was I cannot believe what they say, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and I have to be like, it's not enough for me to just, of course, like once I'm clear about my intentions, it shouldn't be on me. But that doesn't take away the fact that if I hurt them, I'm going to feel bad about it. So that means that I have to guard myself from that and, and like not only take at face value what, what they tell me, but just kind of check, you know, check where they are at and if they're getting like too much into me and I, I'm not feeling like we're on the same level. I've often had to, even now with a partner, I've often had to like break things up because then I feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I think that's like one of the biggest challenges actually of non-monogamy, right? Or polyamory. It's like it's such a it's such an open space of sort of different stages of relating and emotional intelligence that often you don't meet people that are sort of at the same like level as you. Um because there's so many realms I think to go and grow through, right? So people are like, yeah, I'm I'm also polyamorous. And then I meet them and I'm like, they're a very different type of polyamorous than me, or they're calling themselves polyamorous and maybe really not um, fully what I would think is like polyamorous, right? And, and not to be judgmental because there's no real right way, I think, to practice. It's like everyone has their version that works for them. Um, but I, I think that's one of the sort of unforeseen challenges where it's like monogamy is kind of monogamy, right? Everybody like there's this very, you know, mononormative society that we live in and these expectations are very clear and communicated. And so it's almost like sometimes you feel like you're in the wild west with non-monogamy. And I think our experiences of it and our language of it is still so limited. So, um, you know, we're sort of forging that path and hopefully, you know, podcasts like yours and mine are very educational, I feel like, and also sharing real stories from real people all the time, um, which is one of the reasons that I loved your show and I was super drawn to it. Um, but yeah, it's like you can hear what someone says, but you really have to be there for their actions and for their energy to really be able to tell if you know, they're in alignment with you and if dating them is the best option, right? Yeah, and I should also say that um, I think you are right, we're very limited with our language, but I think the distinction between non-monogamy and polyamory is kind of important because I actually do not consider myself polyamorous and I think that making that mm -hmm. distinction, it's also helpful in my case because I can say, my expectation of dating you is not really to have a partnership with you, is to have fr friends with benefits or or to date casually or, you know, I 
I call myself open rather than polyamorous because to me polyamorous implies like the possibility of having like a romantic partnership outside of my own and not to say mm -hmm. that I haven't had romantic feelings for the people I've dated but I'm I'm rather and this is where the name of the podcast comes from like I'm rather polycurious like I'm curious about what that would be and I'm not close to that happening but that's not what I'm looking for like I I prefer non-monogamous non-monogamous arrangements open arrangements however you want to call them like casual friends with benefits that type of that type of thing but but yeah I think yeah. that it's important to have those conversations like early on and that was definitely a lesson for me yeah now do you and Seth currently sort of practice in the same way like is it pretty um pretty much on the same level of how you date outside of your relationship and are you, um, you know, is your relationship sort of where your primary partners and you're moving towards building a life together, sort of that style um, and planning to, you know, remain open. If you can take us through sort of those, those steps or those plans or those agreements that you have. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, first of all, and this might uh, strike you and, and your listeners as a surprise, Seth is monogamous, uh, so far at least. So uh, he, of course, has the option if he finds someone attractive to pursue that. Um, but he's just a lot a lot more of an introvert and he, he just feels like satisfied with what we have and he enjoys his solo time more than chasing girls around or getting on dating apps or, or whatever. And I, I interview him on my podcast, uh, episode 12 of the first season, if people want to check it out. And we go in depth of like his reasons for that. Um, but uh, yeah, the way we view our relationship is uh, as primaries and as life partners. We both know that that might change um and are aware of that possibility but we're very much planning our lives together and you know um potentially getting married and having kids and that's that's how we approach our our relationship beautiful hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, And so what's like... I would love for you to share, I've heard some of this, but I think it'll be cool for my listeners, um, other people's responses to hearing that, right? That he is happy remaining monogamous and you're 
you know, very open and exploring and dating um, outside this relationship? Like, what do like family and friends say when you share that? Or even your listeners, I guess, of the podcast, like what's the response been? Well, I'm very glad that a lot of the listeners or at least the people in the community, in my community who listen to it and who have like approached me and even people who've sent me messages like are just like grateful to, especially women are grateful to hear the story of like a woman who's open and who has a close partner because what a lot of uh, couples run into is that one of them wants to be open and the other one doesn't. But there's this like, kind of like pressure societal pressure that like they either both should be open or this like idea that the man is always the one who wants to be open and the reality is that we are as horny as men are or as exploratory uh and you know and and I wanted to like show because Seth is just like an incredible partner in the way that he has supported my journey and he's very rare um because he's really not I mean sometimes I joke that he's more of a feminist than than I am because I don't know maybe because he grew up with four sisters so uh yeah so I think that might have to do with it but he's just um he's no not sexist at all and he's very supportive of, of my journey so there's been some definitely positive but like those are the people who listen to the podcast and and hear him say that right and then there's people Mm -hmm. who haven't listened to our episode together and then they just ask me and then uh well you know for example my mom uh and probably my sister and my cousin like they were like thinking that Seth was just doing it for me like to to stay with me but that he didn't actually want to do it and that I was kind of forcing his hand a little bit um with time and like after the episode was out and um yeah, my mom doesn't speak English, so she unfortunately cannot hear it from Seth's words. <laughs> um, but now she understands that uh, he truly is okay with it and that he truly sees the benefits of it and that I, I'm not forcing his hand and I'm not putting my relationship at risk. She was like really worried that, you know, I would I was playing with fire and this would end up in me breaking up and not breaking up. Um, but I think, I think, I think now people, yeah, I mean, that's also why I want to be open about it because I think the more open you are and the more you explain the, the more people are, are able to, to understand it. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people who still think that, but they don't come to tell it, to tell me like on my face, you know, but I'm sure there's a lot of people who just think like I'm taking advantage of him or something like that, which is not at all the case. I I think it's so important to showcase all the different types and styles of practicing and that, you know, as you're saying, there is no one way to do it and it's totally normal and people are practicing all the time where one partner is monogamous, one partner is open, where one partner is really polyamorous and the other is like just open or monogamous or whatever. And yeah, to challenge the societal you know, norm of, oh, it's always the man that wants to open the relationship and have other, you know, um, explorative relationships and sexual partners and things like that. And it's just not that way. You know, everyone is unique 
and special and it doesn't matter if you are a man, woman, or anything in between. Like it just doesn't. Um, so I think that's really cool. Uh, I want to ask you because, you know, I, it sounds like you are out to some of your family, um, but I know that you're not out in like all of the different, you know, areas of your life. If you can speak to, you know, the reasons why, because I, I know just based on my listenership, right? Like as I'm sure you do too, um, I have a lot of listeners who have been practicing for years and years and they're, you know, don't have the ability, the privilege, whatever it is, the safety to come out. Um, and your podcast too is a platform. You've interviewed a lot of people um, who are not out publicly. Um, I love your artwork, by the way, when you have people <laughs> that aren't out publicly, the art that you... Yeah, that's Mariah, <laughs> my, my co-host, yeah. my oh. occasional co-host. She, she makes the she artwork. Does... Yeah, oh, by, that's well, so not cool. by hand, by by iPad pen or however you say it, say that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's so talented. I love that stuff. I was like, oh, this is really cool. Um, but yeah, can you speak to sort of the decisions um, about coming out to some, you know, members of your family or community and not others? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that... I just have always had a closer relationship to my mom and we've always talked about sex and we've always talked about all sorts of things. We're like really good friends in a way, which is awesome. And I'm very fortunate in that way. As I said, like she still had a little bit of like judgment, but just because she hadn't been exposed to the idea. And once I explained things to her and she saw that, you know, we've been together for so long and we're happy and we're doing great and all of that. She, she's like, open-minded and she's able she was able to to understand it so I'm grateful that I have that sort of relationship where I can have those conversations um with my dad I've just my parents are divorced uh have been divorced since I've been since I was four years old so um I I do have a good relationship with my dad but we've just never talked about my relationships with other men you know and I doubt that he would with other men or women oh that that I must say like my mom is actually not super open about um that aspect of my exploration so that's something that we don't talk about I assume that she knows or she has a um, suspicion uh but it's also not a big aspect of my exploration at least not at this point so um yeah so there's you know there's the play party and the exploration with women aspect is is the part that I'm still not talking to her much about but she knows I'm open and yeah with my dad I just you know I just don't feel like um he first of all he does speak English so he could totally (laughs) listen to my podcast unlike my mom who cannot unfortunately unfortunately at the same time um and yeah, we've just never had that sort of relationship. And I'm just I'm just trying to avoid judgment and, um, you know, awkward conversations. And at the same time, I'm a, an advocate to like have those conversations when you think there's openness and, and receptiveness on, on the other side. But um, I just, if not the conversation I feel like having like at a, you know, Christmas, um, gathering or whatever with with my family oh I heard you have a podcast about your open relationship with your boyfriend like and my aunts and uncles like asking me about that like 
I just I just don't feel like going through that. Uh, it's not yeah. so much that I fear that I would be harshly judged or, you know, I might be a little bit judged, but honestly, it's not so much about that. It's just like I, I, I don't want to have to deal with that. Um, and then for my work, um, yeah, I'm not open about it because um, uh, the co-founders of my company are... Uh, religious and obviously like uh, more sheltered in their thinking and they're great amazing people and I get along with them great but I wouldn't want them to listen to the podcast and then hear all the details about you know my sexual life Um, yeah I also work in podcasting so I don't want my name to be associated with my company like I don't want my polycurious identity to be associated with my company because that could have you know, repercussions on it. So, um, yeah, so it's, those are, those are my reasons. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Um, really hoping for the day when, you know, a polyamorous identity wouldn't really mean anything, like wouldn't have repercussions, um, for any reason, like regardless of, you know, who's finding out or who's listening. Um, I mean, we were I think a little we're bit of a ways far. off from that, but yeah, we're we're not. I think the more we sort of share in spaces that are safe and continue to invite people out of the closet, like as you know, we both know a ton of people that are closeted and practicing. Um, the more people who feel that like safety and security to have the courage to come out, the more you sort of can't ignore that so many people are practicing. Like it's not a fringe thing. Um, And it's certainly, you know, not some uh, deviant group of people uh, judging by like all of our guests, right? Who are just some of the most normal, even boring. I always joke that I'm like the boring polyamorous person um, on the internet because like I'm hardly ever having sex with like any of my partners. Um, I can't really make that joke actually towards the end of this year because I've been I've been having a bit more fun. Um, mm-hmm. But it's so true. Like once we start to really destigmatize um, sex in general, but also to like um, separate like non-monogamy and sexuality because for many people it's just about intimacy and um having like many other needs met other than sex um so but you're right we are on the road and we're not that far off yeah i mean you probably heard esther pearl talking about this as well or other people i'm sure um you know how also just because of the time of they were living in like we used to live in community and i think that helps some of the relieve some of the non-monogamous need that we have right now like now we put like so much on our partner you know and before we had like a community of people who would like help you take care of your kids and and kind of like have more of a support network and um, also like as women we have contraceptive now so we don't need to carry other men's babies if we decide to have sex with them you know so like all of these things are just making it um, you know, I feel like society is moving towards that direction. And I don't, I'm not saying in the future everyone's going to be non-monogamous, not at all, but it's just 
yeah, it's just going to be a, a more normal thing, you know? Although I'm also aware that it does feel like we're progressing a lot in our circles, right? Like you're in LA, I'm in New York, in the Burning Man community, but, you know, you might ask someone in like a Midwestern town or whatever. And I also have a lot of listeners who are from there and who are having a really hard time finding community and being open about it. So, you know, it is progressing, but there's still... There's still a lot of work to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I would love to just know from, you know, your perspective as a podcast host and a producer, um, what's really your goal for your show? Yeah, well, I think one of the goals is a little bit of what I shared about before, like showing not just my relationship structure, but showing that there's different very different ways of of structuring your relationship and that one has to think about one what one wants and what your partner wants and kind of make a decision and the options are not monogamy or non-monogamy the options are you know all sorts of types and it's really hard to know what you want if you haven't heard it or you haven't seen it again, like I didn't think I would be open to non-monogamy until I met my friends who were doing it and I saw it and I heard their stories. So my podcast is like my attempt to, you know, put those stories out there and show people, you know, this is an example of how it's done. You don't have to do it that way, but I'm sure you'll hear some things and resonate with them. Even if you are monogamous, like relationships are relationships communication is communication and there's so much to learn from that type of structure and um the challenges and um yeah just kind of like being more uh honest about where you are at and where your partner's at and if that's if different places and as you said if like one is more poly and the other one is more non-monogamous okay well well how would that look like and uh, how can we make sure that we are as much as possible fulfilling our needs? Um, so yeah, it's it's just um, having people feel like they can be themselves in their relationships and that there's a way to actually make that happen for themselves, but they need to put, put some work in. So I'm interviewing people who are putting the work in and who, you know, have the resources to to help others find the type of relationship that works for them. Hmm. I love that. Um, okay. One last question. What has been the biggest surprise for you about um, yourself in the space of your relationships and, you know, being open? Hmm. Well, um, something that was surprising to me is that infatuation is a real thing. New relationship energy is a real thing. And it's kind of fleeting, you know. And I had a lot of relationships in which I really thought, like, oh, my God, I'm, like, falling in love with this person. Even though, like, again, never had someone I consider my partner and I've tried to keep things pretty casual I also don't date super often um but you know I would be like so into the person and then you know a few days later the new relationship energy was gone or the infatuation was gone and just like 
every single time I would again meet someone and I would again have those feelings and I would again believe it. And then it took me like, I don't know, it took me like four people or five people to actually now know that when I feel those things are, they might just literally be hormonal and, you know, and it might go away. And it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that my relationship, my primary relationship is at stake and it does not, um, you know, like now I'm better able to enjoy it instead of like project too much into the future and get worried about what that means mm. and what that mean, might mean for my relationship. Um, yeah, it's definitely come with um, with practice. So that was surprising. Another thing that was surprising is realizing that um, I don't I don't think I want polyamory uh, and I very much prefer uh like again like a friends with benefits situation i i don't again i'm still not close to polyamory i i i don't think that's something that i can necessarily choose because tomorrow i might meet someone who i might really want to have something more serious with and if i'm just dating around even if i want to keep it casual that that's meant to happen right uh what i do know Mm -hmm. or i'm pretty confident about is that because I have a relationship structure that allows me for that ex- exploration, I don't think that that's going to. Um, I don't think that's going to. If Seth and I ever break up, that's not going to going to be the reason. I don't think. And and even though I knew that, like, there's always that fear because we. That's what society has told us, right? That if you are cheating, it's because right. there's something, or like not. I'm obviously not cheating, but if you are with someone else, it's because there's something growing in your relationship. And if you develop feelings for someone else, that means that that's subtracting from your feelings for the other person. So even though I wasn't like feeling that and I still was very much in love with Seth, whenever like I had feelings for other people, I would like freak out a little bit thinking that that would affect my relationship. But then if you think about it, my relationship structure allows for that. And it's not, subtracting any love that I have for my partner so that was like not surprising necessarily because I knew it but that was like it took some experience to to reach that point of understanding um but yeah it definitely gets easier with time um obviously my situation is different because I'm not said is monogamous so I'm my my journey is probably very different from like the journey of someone who's both partners uh yeah, who, whose partner is doing, also, it's also being non-monogamous. But but yeah, definitely, uh, like everything in life, you learn with ex- from experience and it only it only gets easier. So if for your listeners yeah. out there who might be struggling, uh, you don't necessarily need to give up. You learn with time. Just be present and don't, don't overthink too much and know that as long as you are getting consent from your partner, if that's your relationship structure and you are being honest and communicate communicative, like there's nothing to worry about. <laughs> mm, yeah. So beautiful. And I know everyone listening can really kind of take that to heart and take that advice actually to the relationship bank because it's true. And where you are today in your non-monogamy journey is certainly not where you're going to be six months from now, a year from now, five years from now. Even if the sort of container and structure stays the same, um, you'll continue to evolve and grow in it. And things that feel challenging 
now if you continue to work on them and do the inner work, um, they get easier and easier and things get more and more fun. So, yeah, I'm yeah. curious, how long have you been um, open? Um, nine years. Nine yeah. years, yeah. Today, actually, well, we've been married for a little over eight um, and we had our first sort of non-monogamous experience six months before we were married. Um, so yeah, very early on in our relationship. So yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's been a while. Hear journey. more about it uh, on my podcast. So so we'll have that opportunity. But uh, yeah, yeah, nine years is Can't definitely is definitely some time to learn a lot of things I'm sure I mean I think for me it's been five or six years and yeah it's been quite the journey yeah well Fernanda thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your experiences and your wisdom um for everyone listening definitely go check out Polycurious we are going to link uh Fernanda's podcast on in the show notes and um, the Instagram account so you can kind of find the information that they share and lots of fun quotes um, from your episodes, which I think are really valuable. And then, yeah, I'm going to be on the show as well. So I will definitely let all of you know when that's happening. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much. This was really lovely. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode um, and sort of taking all of the wisdom and advice from all of my guests. I I really just, I'm always in awe of the people who come on the show and who share so authentically. Um, if this stuff is interesting to you, then don't hesitate to take our quiz. We created a free quiz for you to at least know which area of non-monogamy you want to dip your toes into um, because as Fernanda was saying, there's a huge difference between um, identifying and practicing an, in an open relationship than in a polyamorous relationship. Um, so definitely check that quiz out. There is a link in our show notes. Take a moment to rate and review the podcast. Share it with people who you think would benefit from it. And definitely get the dictionary. The dictionary is a great resource and a tool for you. So you're not walking around saying polygamy when you mean polyamory. <laughs> Lots of free tools and more. Um, making sure that you follow Open Late on TikTok where we share fun, funny, and educational sometimes content. And until next week, lovers and friends, this is your host, Jessica Spandiari. See you soon. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.